gets to the 50. He gets to midfield. He gets to the 40. What an athletic display by Trey Ford. He's magic. He is the magic man of the Canadian Football League right now. He's got a line to the net. He'll come in. The shot scores! Edmonton's home for great stories, local heroes, and everything you need on the Oilers and Elks. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Uh, pour yourself some hot soup. It's time for Inside Sports. Blackhawks leading the Maple Leafs 3-1 early in the third. Flames and Capitals 2-2 also in the third period. Second intermission, Coyotes and Rangers in a 1-1 tie. Early third, Florida up 4-1 on New Jersey. And the Red Wings taking it to the Blue Jackets. It is four zip with 15 minutes left. Baseball playoffs after three innings. Phillies lead the D-backs 4-0. That's game one of the National League Championship Series in the AL. Rangers held on for a 5-4 win over the Astros. They go up 2-0 in that best-of-seven series. Monday night football, 11-26. Six left in the second quarter. Cowboys and Chargers in a 7-7 tie. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. So the Oilers have flown to Nashville. They practiced today before they departed. And yes, uh, they have moved the lines around, which does happen all year. Which does happen all year, as we know. But the goal of this team for several seasons has been to have depth up front and maybe not to rely totally on McDavid and Dreisaitl for all the offense, which to be fair, they haven't. And I'm going to get into that here as we move along. But after the two losses and the uh, dreadful 0-2 start for the first time since the start of the 18-19 season, uh, the Oilers are indeed 0-2. So it was Kane with McDavid and Dreisaitl today and also a promotion for Warren Fogle. He goes up there with Nugent Hopkins and Hyman. But McDavid and Dreisaitl together with Evander Kane. Here's head coach Jay Woodcroft on having the two big guys on the same line. Yeah, I thought we were a little flat in the second period in Vancouver. I put them together and we liked our response. Um, We wanted to go back in game two with the lines that we started with, give everybody a, a a second chance um, you know and then we we ended up moving some pieces around the chessboard as that game wore on I think when they play together um, you know it's a dangerous combination the results speak for themselves um, not only did uh, they create numerous chances when they're together they drew a lot of penalties uh, as well so um, you know what you're getting when those two guys are together well you're getting one of the best attacks in the history of the National Hockey League when those two guys are on the ice together uh incredibly dangerous players incredibly gifted players uh and they work well off each other i know we make a lot about the a lot about the line combination sometimes and quite frankly sometimes it's too much uh even f- coming from me who who talks about things like that the, the lines could change halfway through the first period they could change after the first shift tomorrow this could also be a ruse from jay woodcroft they could come out tomorrow night and not have the lines like this uh, I know this is an ongoing discussion in oil country because I've been having it with many of you on and off air for several years, even before Zach Hyman and Evander Kane was on the team, even before the Oilers were a perennial playoff team and likely still a Stanley Cup contender. Um, I, I guess I always look at it this way. It's the coach's job to give his team the best chance to win at all times. And I think if you have McDavid and Dreisaitl on your team, it would be foolish to not play them together sometimes. 
Now, it's up for the coach to determine that. I mean, I think going into a season and saying, I hope they never play together or they have to be split up or the team can't succeed, I think would be foolish. I, I think that's too much of an absolute. If you have those weapons, you have to deploy them. And, and quite frankly, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl should play together five-on-five five every game, sometimes. After an icing, after a penalty kill, last minute of a period, try to get a goal before the period ends. Find ways to get them together sometimes. Now, I totally understand the argument. The Oilers' total offense can't be around these two guys for the 20 to 22 minutes they're on the ice together, and then the other 40 minutes are a wasteland of just trying to hopefully break even. I, I get that, but I also think you, you have that option and they should be, again, I think they should play together five-on-five five every game at select times if they're not going to be together the whole game. Uh, McDavid uh, commented on being with Dreisaitl again. Yeah, I mean, when we're playing together, I think we just both have the puck a little bit more. Um, you know, we uh, do a good job of getting the puck to each other. Um, obviously, he's one of the best passers in the world, so um, if not the best. So you got to just get open and, and uh, um, trust that he's going to find you, uh, and he usually does. So I think that's kind of the main difference. All right, so another thing, and I feel like we're, we're bringing up some old themes from seasons past that have haunted the Oilers, and, and perhaps that's why there's some anxiety with the fan base. There, there may be some thinking, I thought we were over that. I, I thought we were past that being a major problem. Uh, now we'll see. We very well may be. Five-on-five five scoring. Dreadful the first two games of the season. The Oilers have one five-on-five five goal out of the uh, four they scored against the Vancouver Canucks. It was Dreisaitl's goal in the very exciting first minute of the game on Saturday. They have been outscored 8-1 five-on-five. So the uh, Canucks with uh, eight five-on-five goals and four power play goals out of the 12 they scored. So not good at all. And I, I know I've been hearing and getting asked, well, here, like, they're so bad five-on-five. Five. They're so bad five-on-five. Five. It's all the power play, and it's all McDavid and Dreisaitl. I just want to put this out there because whenever I hear stuff like that, my first instinct is, is that true? Is that true? It's not true that they're horrible five-on-five. Five. It, 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 it would have been true three or four years ago for sure. I just want to recap these numbers from last season. Um, the Oilers last year, five-on-five five scored 192 goals. That was the fifth most five-on-five five goals in the NHL. By the way, Seattle led the league last year in five-on-five five goals. Goals against five-on-five, five, the Oilers gave up 169, tied for 17th with Calgary. So basically just slightly below the middle. Right, six as well. Sixteen, seventeen would be in the middle of the league. So really, average five on five. So they were plus twenty three goal differential five on five last year. They have started minus seven. Uh, but again, I think the suggestion that oh, once again the Oilers can't score five on five wouldn't be accurate because the five on five scoring was pretty good last season. Having said that, it is a question early and one that Evander Kane tried to answer. I know we had 40 shots or whatever it said, but I, I really think we could add more. There's, we, we spend a lot of time, I think, on the outside. I think we have to really start to penetrate uh, the middle of the ice, especially in the ozone, and get pucks there to create some more great scoring opportunities. All right, and Jay Woodcroft uh, expanded on that. There, you look at all areas of your game, and the fact of the matter is we scored one even strength goal in two games. Um, obviously, there's a lot of chances created. There wasn't a lot of finish. I think uh, the shooting percentage at even strength is about 2%, which is you know, not our standard. Um, 
but you you worry when you're not getting chances. I think we're creating chances. Uh, to Evander's point, I think in that kind of red zone area, you know, below the hash marks, we can be harder. We can be, we can display second and third effort. Um, I think the best example of that was how we started the game last last game with. Uh, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman. It looked to me, I saw three very hungry players that were uh, willing to do what it took, get their nose dirty, burrow over the blue paint, and uh, they were rewarded. That's the even strength goal that we scored. So um, we're pleased with uh, the amount or volume of chances, not pleased with our finish just yet, uh, but we think we can continue to go uh, to harder areas to find success. Well, look, especially in the second period, the puck was in the Vancouver end almost the entire time. The Oilers screwed up a play and gave up a 2-1-0. They got a lot of power plays. Most of them were earned. I mean, there was, there was, I think there was that one call that was maybe a bit of a, a, a phantom call, but from the ref's angle, he saw it and called it. So they had the puck in the Vancouver end a lot, and they cashed in a couple times on the power play. And perhaps, yes, the, they had the puck in front of the Vancouver net a lot. They just didn't always win the battles for it. Now, Vancouver, I thought, for those two games, still played pretty desperate. Now, now the last two periods of, of Saturday's game, Edmonton had the puck more. Edmonton didn't play better. But you got to score. But I, I do think that uh, I thought Frank Cervelli said it very well about an hour ago with Brendan Escott on Oilers. Now uh, the Oilers are probably going to lose around two dozen games that way this year. You know, just not quite good enough. Couple mistakes, can't quite finish. And that's how games are lost. Uh, going back to Nashville tomorrow, and it's on six thirty. Chad four thirty for the faceoff show game at six. Matthias Ekholm drafted by the Predators fourteen years ago. His first game against them. It's been a big part of my life. It's been a big part of my family's life. Both of my, well, two of, my, two of the three are born there. Um, a lot of great memories, success, failures, all that stuff. It's, uh, I think it's just the people around the rink from the guys in the parking lot, from coaches, management, um, fans, all that stuff is, is going to be really special. So, Kind of happy it happens early, so I didn't have to kind of drag it out. It's it's kind of nice to come there now and and not get some closure. I feel like that's the wrong word. I'm not. I'm Nashville's always gonna, always going to be a part of my life and my family's life. And um, but to come back and and to to, I mean, first time I'm playing as a road team in Bridgestone Arena. So yeah, special day tomorrow, and uh, looking forward to it. All right, a little bit there from the Viking, and that'll be one of the stories for that game. Matias Ekholm playing against his former team. 780-496-0063 is the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. Email insidesports at 630shed.com. Kellen Kennedy working in the control room tonight. Kellen, how are you doing? Doing good. Just hanging out, checking out the hotline. Great weekend uh, for us, eh? Uh, Oilers lose, Elks lose, and the, the Seahawks lose. We went 0 for 3. Two, two chances in the red zone late in the game. Couldn't convert on fourth down either time. Bummer. My, 
My parlay was unparlayed. Still, uh, still having an okay season at, at three and two. Uh, what do you have coming in, if anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of texts coming in tonight. Uh, we'll start with Freddie. Who texts in and says, "Hi, Reed. Wonder if the Oilers will ever co- uh, will ever have a coach with the stones to resist putting Leon and Connor together at the first sign of trouble. This team will never take the next step until the other players feel empowered to solve problems themselves. Coaches keep telling players they don't have faith in them. Must be." Very discouraging to not be a forward who doesn't wear 97 or 29. That's from Freddie. Well, I'll tell you what, Freddie. Uh, I, again, I, I'm going to stand by what I said, that I think if you have those two players on your team and they are as deadly as they are together, it would be foolish to never play them together. I think you have to find spots in games, not on the power play, to have them on the ice together. Again, after icings, maybe after you kill a penalty, and I know sometimes they might be on the penalty kill, uh, you know, offensive zone face-off, last minute of a period. I mean, you, you got to find those opportunities. I and I, I do understand the other point, and I think we've talked about that uh, on this show in the past. Uh, you know, are other players basically told, and they're not told this directly, but do they feel like they're being told, well, it's up to Connor and Leon. It's it's not up to me. But again, if you're a player, you're still going to think, well, it's still up to me regardless of who I'm on the ice with. But uh Interesting comment, and again, this this line combination today we may not even see in the game tomorrow. Let's let's be clear. Mm-hmm. Got a quick one in too. Uh, unknown name texted in says what they need to do is play defense. The defense is atrocious. Well, they didn't uh, they didn't defend well, especially the first game of the season. Um, I mean, you didn't get enough stops. Uh, I, I I think especially last Wednesday it was just that desperation level. Uh, and I think that was all over the ice, not just only in their end. But, you know, fair comment. When you give up eight goals, you're going to talk about the defense quite a bit. It is 7-18. Here's what we're going to do. We'll call a quick timeout. Uh, I think we might have uh, Do we know we don't have a call. Okay, we'll get to a couple more of your messages. We'll visit with Morley as well. He has the Elks coming up, the Elks this week coming up at 7.30. It's Inside Sports on Chad. The Inside Sports Scoreboard on 630 Ched is brought to you by Cougar Paint and Collision. Our family helping your family for over 40 years and counting. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Calgary and Washington still 2-2 with nine minutes left. Chicago trying to take out the Maple Leafs tonight, 3-1, also with nine minutes left. These other games also in the third period. Detroit up 4-0 on Columbus. Panthers leading the Devils 4-2. And the Rangers up 2-1 on the Coyotes. The scoreboard presented by Cougar Paint and Collision. Our family helping your family for 40 years. Okay, uh, guys, as you probably have heard, I got an abbreviated show because of the Elks this week. So a couple of callers. I want to get you both on. Try to be uh, as concise as you can. We'll start with Christian. Christian, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Uh, my question is, um, what effect do you think the fan base has on the players, whether it be positive encouragement or negative? Thank uh, you. Uh, that, yeah, I, that certainly comes up a lot. I, personally, I think probably very little for most of the players. Um, I, I do believe most of them when they say that they, they don't pay too much attention or, or watch analysis about themselves. I, I'm sure it's not true for everybody. Um, I, I guess you'd have to think about personalities of people in your lives. I mean, they are, they are human beings, 
and you probably have friends, family, and colleagues that if they hear something about themselves, they absolutely don't care, and other people who might be really bothered about it. I think if you've made the NHL and play in a Canadian market, you're probably pretty good at sheltering yourself from it. And I think when it comes to the expectations of the Oilers, they have high expectations for themselves. I I think they see themselves as Stanley Cup contenders, regardless of what media and fans are saying. Um, I, 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 I know just from my personal experience, I've covered the team for a while. I'm like, this is my 11th season in this job. The players who have been there a long time, you know, have an awareness that I'm a media guy. I don't think they have any idea where they would find my talk show, quite frankly. You know what I mean? Um, I, now, with the written word, it might be a little different. And then with Twitter, uh, I, 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 it, I mean, I've made no secret of the fact that, you know, I, I knew Mark Letestu for a long time before he joined the Oilers. So we had a bit of a relationship. I wouldn't say we were friends, but we had a bit of a respectful relationship because I'd known him since he was in junior B and since uh, and I was working in Lloyd Minster. And I remember he told me once, I, I, he said, I sometimes will listen to you and Rob after games for a little bit if, if I think the show is not going to be about me. <laughs> so if, if Mark had a bad game, he, he wouldn't even bother tuning in to see uh, how old Reed from Lloyd Minster is doing on the radio. So that's the best I can, uh, I can offer there. I also have Dawson on the line. Hey, Dawson. Hey, Reed. I'm just wondering how serious of the talks with Jeremy Strayman and Linus Hallmark, and how impatient do you think the Oilers will be, knowing that the management saying that the Oilers need to take the next step when we're Cup contenders once again? How serious are the talks of trading for one of those two goalies? Yes, uh, I don't think they're that serious at the moment. Uh, in terms of impatience, look, if if they start the season. I don't know what would be a, a disaster. I like if they're zero and seven. Well, then I don't know. Maybe they'd have to try and make a trade or shake something up. I think we've seen from Ken Holland he's fairly patient. I do want to harken back to last season. They started with a six-game homestand. They only went three and three. At the twenty-game mark, they were only ten and ten. Um, I, I think that Holland and Woodcroft believe in what they have. Um, I, I know everybody kind of craps on the goaltending, but I think, again, Holland's going to be patient with Campbell. He believes he's going to bounce back. And Skinner had, did have a pretty good season last year. And, and I, don't, I don't know if Boston would actually want to trade one of those guys anyway and help out another team. Uh, I, I think they'll be reasonably patient. Now, at some point, and you know, Stoff's talked about this, could you add a forward or two who might bring you a little bit of beef? And, uh, and you might want to round out the back end with a veteran as the season goes on. I, I think there'll be, I, certainly there's not going to be any panic from Holland at, at 0-2. Or, and probably even if it's a mediocre first month or month and a half. Because that's kind of where they were last year. Uh, can, can Morley check in for 20 seconds? I'm here. Yeah, what's coming up? How's old Reed from Lloyd Minster doing? What's that? I said, how's old Reed from Lloyd Minster yeah, doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have? Uh, we're going to go back and listen to Rick Lalashire talk about uh, uh, the upper deck being closed and about how fans are going to get uh, resituated in the lower deck. And we're also going to check in uh, in Winnipeg with Derek Taylor, uh, find out how the Bombers are doing as they go into this game this week. Okay. Morley Scott with the Elks this week from 7.30 to 8. I will join you for the face-off show at 4.30 tomorrow. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Have a good night.
The Inside Sports Scoreboard on 630 Ched is brought to you by Cougar Paint and Collision. Our family helping your family for over 40 years and counting.